Good morning. Thank you very much for being here today. We are here this morning to honor and to pay tribute to a man who, was deep, who deeply loved the Lord, his family, and his church. And when he prayed, he stormed the gates of hell with his incredible passion and his faith in God. Jerry Ellsworth Loring was born on September 20th, 1950, and he went to be with his Savior, Jesus Christ, on January 25th, 2023. Jerry was a loving husband. He was a father, brother, and grandfather, and he will be missed by all who knew him. But because of his incredible faith in Jesus Christ, his Savior, we all have hope on this very difficult day. I always turn to God's word when I need help or comforting. And I love John 14, Jesus' words. John 14, 1 to 6. Jesus says to all of us, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, the doubter, spoke up, and he said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus looked into Thomas's eyes, and he said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so very much for your help during these difficult times. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you for that sacrifice that made a way for all of us who believe in him to have eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that we could come together and honor a wonderful, godly man. And Father, as we do that, I just pray that you will be here, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will bring us help and comfort and help us, Lord, to know the truth of your word. I pray especially for the family this morning that you'll draw up close to them, that you'll give them help and comfort. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to change the order of the service a little bit. This morning, I'm, I am going to invite Joshua, Jerry's son, to come forward with his family and share with us today.
Jerry loved and prayed for his grandchildren, his nephews, his nieces, his nieces' kids. And these three are the ones that are representing those kiddos that he prayed for today, his three grandkids. And they have a verse to share that was um, one of Jerry's favorites, one of Pappy's favorites. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strengths. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Thank you, guys. I will be reading on behalf of my Aunt Peggy, who is not here today. Jerry is my brother-in-law, my husband's brother, and I've known Jerry for about 50 years, so I have a lot of good stuff to tell on that boy. Jerry was more like my brother. I could pick on him, slap him on the arm when I thought he said dumb stuff, tell him he shouldn't be doing something, you, you know, the stuff sisters do. My husband, Bob, was in the Army, and we always would tell him that the Air Force was more of a social military club and not like a real Army or Marines. We were glad when we were stationed in Virginia and Jerry was in Maryland. We were able to get together a lot more. And all I needed to do was to tell Jerry what I was cooking on the weekend and he would be down for the weekend. Or I would say, hey Jerry, I need some pictures of, it didn't matter what it was, and he would bring all of his cameras. I think he had like 47 of them and they came in all different sizes. Big cameras that had big lenses, and may I add multiple lenses. Don't forget, a, before digital, there was a thing called film, and he may have had one of those bullet holders for all of his rolls of film. He was a Boy Scout, and he believed in being prepared. And he had another camera, I would tell him, looked like a telescope, and I believed he could see straight up in those pearly gates and see St. Peter. Jerry was good at those sneaking shots, like the kind when you don't know that he's taking the, a shot, I would look him in the eye and I'd tell him, if I look dumb in those pictures, you better just rip them up and delete them or else. And he knew what the else was too, like no desserts, no good cooking for me, kind of like my secret weapon. About two years ago, we met Jerry and Julie in Wyoming and had, um, and had a great time doing our favorite thing of searching for wildlife on our drive and being able to jump out of the car in a flash and have Jerry be able to capture the picture of whatever we saw. I found a beautiful scene, golden trees, white bark, green pines, slow moving wide, wide, wide crystal like creek that reflected the mountains and sky. Who knows, you may have seen that in Jerry's collection of photos. But we stood by and watched Jerry take pictures of that beautiful scene. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, Jerry, the only thing that would make that picture better would be an elk or a big old buck crossing the water. And everyone agreed and we got back in the car. Now Jerry was starting to move a little slower than a spring chicken. And of course, we, he had about 112 pounds of camera equipment. 
to manage and to get in the car. So I was the driver and waiting for him to get everything in. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I saw my dream come true. Here was a big old buck crossing that water. I was yelling for Jerry, get back out of the car. That big old buck, he needs to have his picture taken. I was saying, yelling, come on, Jerry, you're going to miss the picture. And now he comes with his 112 pounds of equipment, and he gets the camera of choice, and he gets my picture. What a great picture. What a great brother. Billy Graham once said, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I should be more alive than I am now. And I will, have just, I will just have changed my address. I have gone into the presence of God. 2 Timothy verse four, or chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Jerry Loring Thanks for my memory pictures, both my heart and your physical pictures. My hugs, our talks, our shared prayers for our children and grandchildren, our friends. As with your conversations with your brother Bob, you both would end your phone conversations with, if I don't see you down here on earth again, I will see you in the rapture. So now I will, say you, I will, say, I will see you again in the rapture. Love you always, your sister by marriage and your sister in Jesus Christ, Peggy. Thank you. Morning. I'm Joshua Loring, Jerry's son. On behalf of the family and myself, we would like to thank especially Pastor Ben and Pastor Kelly, for all that you guys have done here at Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene and all that you've meant to Julie and Jerry. We'd like to thank Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene for all you mean to Julie and Jerry and all you will mean in the future. Thank you for your love for them, your care for them. They love their church family. <clears throat> I thank everyone else here who have come to celebrate the life of my father, Jerry Loring, and uh, just all that he means to all of us. Appreciate you guys being here. God created us eternal beings, and we will live eternally with God through Jesus Christ. My dad is totally healed right now, and he is alive with Christ in heaven. The Apostle Paul tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.8. He's visiting with all those that he loves, like his mom Marie and his brothers David and Ricky, who've gone on before him, along with many others. And we'll be seeing him again for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. My dad loves his family, and he spends so much time with us. And he and Julie moved here to Colorado in November of 2016 from Maryland, or from Delaware. And they've spent countless hours traveling Colorado, taking pictures and catching God's beauty and all the things he's created here. He loved Colorado. He almost always had a camera on his neck, as you heard my Aunt Peg, described so well through my wife, Shannon. And he'd capture these stunning images of family and friends, of wildlife and landscapes. From his back porch, he'd catch images of birds and deer, moose, bear, 
even a mountain lion. He was in heaven on earth, the closest he was going to get until he went to be home with his Savior. He told me one time that shooting with the camera was a lot less work and a lot less mess than hunting. Plus, you don't need a license. To which I responded, yes, but you can't eat a picture. <laughs> but he did capture some beautiful images of these animals that I'm jealous of. I think he's definitely shot way more than I have. What an incredible father. An amazingly gifted man. He taught me all the important things in life, like to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He taught me about hard work and persevering when things get difficult. He taught me about hope, love, honesty, compassion, consequences, and so much more. He taught me it's better to give than to receive, and he enjoys the outdoors often taking his grandkids and myself fishing and hiking, hunting. He taught me to work on vehicles and how to fix things. He taught me not to live in fear because God's got this. He's got you and he's got me. I think the most important thing he taught me was John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God, this is the creator of the universe, the eternal, only true God of the Bible. So loved the world, that's you, that's me, that he gave his only begotten son. This is Christ Jesus who died for our sins. And more than that, he was raised again on the third day into the eternal throne of heaven. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is how I know. My, God, my dad is alive and well, and he's healed, living in glory with Christ. And you and me, we can all have this hope in Christ. You admit you're a sinner and have messed up. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And confess Jesus publicly as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you've done this, or you will do this, then this is not goodbye. We're here to say that we'll see you later. He won't come and visit me, but one day, I'll go and live with him. And for me this day, it serves as a day that I resolve to run faster and harder after Jesus. To pursue God and those that he loves and died for. Elizabeth Elliot once said, God did not call us to a playground. He called us to a battleground. Dad, you have fought the good fight, and you ran your race here among us. And I know you have now heard those words we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant.
We're going to worship together. If you would stand with me, we're going to sing some of Jerry's favorite songs this morning. I got the wrong one. Here we go. <laughs> I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven come to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder I'm gonna hear my praises roar I'm from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated the king Sing a little louder in the presence of 
Shame is a prison as cruel as the grave. Shame is a robber and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is a power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave. gonna rise up out of the ground there ain't no Resurrection 
give a preacher a mic, you better be watching out. I decided to use some technology this morning. Usually I'm butcher paper and uh, chalk art and stuff, you know, but uh, got a question for you. Are you a believer in Jesus? If you're not, why not? What are you waiting for? I, I suggest uh, you get ready because Jesus is coming. Jerry Loring uh, was my brother and he and I did a lot of things together. Ricky, there was a cousin Joey, and there was myself. And uh, some of them things, uh, well, the statute of limitations are gone by now. So I guess we won't get in trouble for setting on the forest on fire and shooting the lady with the BB gun. But uh, it was all in fun. And the forest wasn't caught on fire except there were spiders crawling on our hands and we had to get out of there. But uh, I'd just like to know, let you know that Jerry was a, uh, he was a loving husband. To a beautiful lady, his loving father, to a beautiful family sitting there, and a loving grandfather, and he's a loving brother. My brother and I spent hours on the phone talking, and you may not know this, but you know, he really studied prophecy a lot. And he and I would talk about that all the time. And our saying always was, brother, if I don't see you soon, here on earth, I'll see you in the rapture. And we always closed our conversations with amen. Jerry was a man of prayer, as you all know. He was constantly in the word, and his testimony was alive and well. No one could deny the fact that this man, this man, loved the Lord Jesus Christ with all heart, soul, and strength. He was fearless in his proclamation concerning Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. His word to all of us is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for everyone 
who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. His admonishment, his admonishment is found in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And his comfort to us all was found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. So choose who you will serve today. But for Jerry and his household, they will serve and they are serving the Lord. I highly recommend you all do the same. I would like to read a song. I'm not going to sing this because Chris Tomlin's a little bit better singer than I am. There is a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say it is well. Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead. And I will rise when he calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings. Before my God, I fall on my knees, and I will rise. I will rise. Thank you, Bob. Thank you all for coming to celebrate my husband, Jerry. Jerry and I, we share 19 wonderful years together as husband and wife. They were exciting years. Of course, we have our storms, right? And we share those together. Life's not always easy in this world. 
but we had our love for God and our love for one another to get through those times. We started our lives together after Jerry had served 21 years in the Air Force. We were married September 6, 2003, and I was so, <laughs> I was so honored to marry such a man who loved God and loved our country. We lived in Maryland for two years, and then God led us to move to Delaware, where we bought our first home together. We lived in Delaware 11 years, and then we obeyed the Holy Spirit, who led us to move to Colorado, November 2016. It was very hard for me to move so far from my family. My mom and my siblings, it was really hard on them. But we knew we had to obey the Lord. Jerry and I always agreed together before we would make any major decisions. We always wanted God to lead our lives. The past, excuse me, the past six years have been a really great adventure. And Jerry, being the photographer that he was, you can understand that, right? <laughs> he had the time of his life enjoying God's creation. But more importantly was the time that we spent together with his son Joshua and Shannon and our three wonderful grandchildren, Cadence, Serenity, and Josiah. Jerry loved being their pappy. Jerry was a loving, caring, and very protective husband. Don't even think about me driving at night because he would not ever let that happen. <laughs> he had a beautiful heart, always wanting to help others. And you, all, as some of you know, anytime somebody was broken down on the side of the road, Jerry would stop, help them fix that flat tire, or if they needed a ride, he was... He just had a great heart. And you could, you could just see Jesus Christ shining through him. Letter to my husband. <laughs> my sweet husband. I know that you are in heaven worshiping Jesus face to face. What an amazing time that you are now having. All pain has left, and you are truly at peace. Thank you, Jerry, for the wonderful 19 years <laughs> that we shared together. One day, I will join you, and we will worship our Lord together. Until then, I will miss you terribly but I will treasure all the memories that we made together. I love you, Jerry, so much. I will see you soon, your wife, Julie.
Well, thank God for His grace, amen? Grace that saved us, the grace that sustains us, and the grace that I pray is sufficient for you all, uh, especially. Uh, The deeper the love, the closer the relationship, the harder it is when you get to this place in life. And uh, I was really hoping Kelly and I would get in and out of Woodland Park without a service like this, and I'm sure you are too. Um, But God is good, and He's with us, amen? I didn't know that I'd be the third or fourth good preacher to step up to the pulpit today. Uh, Well, at least we've had three or four good ones already. I don't know if I'm going to be good or not, but at least they didn't take my text. I've got one more text left, so I'm going to share that with you. (laughs) I remember my first Sunday here back in March of last year, and I uh, we came in, uh, we had been here two days in the first Sunday service, and I looked around and I said, who's that guy in the leather top hat? I've got a picture of that, I think. Uh, Jerry and I connected, and we realized uh, he had lived in Maryland, had been to the church that we pastored back there, and had a common friend. And uh, so that was the beginning of our uh, brief journey with uh, Jerry Loring and his uh, wife and family. You've picked this up already, and maybe it's been said, Jerry and Julie love to praise God. I didn't use the right tense. Jerry and Julie love to praise God. Years ago, I got out of the habit of uh, using past tense for our friends that have passed on. Love to praise God. So here's some praise from uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believed in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. So Kelly mentioned the word hope at the very top of the service. We began uh, this year with a great message on uh, hope, January 1. I've been thinking a lot about hope this week. Hope is only good if it's true, if it's grounded in something, and Christian hope is. It's grounded in truth, the truth that God has made known to us, truth that's been proven over and over and over and over again, hope grounded in real time and real places and real people through the ages. We can start with a man that wrote the letter that I've read from this morning, the Apostle Peter. 
Think about what we've just read. A letter from the man who walked and talked with Jesus for three years, camped out under a starlit night sky, sat up at the table and shared meals with Jesus, went to weddings, traveled from town to town and village to village. He saw the miracles. He heard his teaching. He was in the garden where Jesus prayed that night that he was betrayed and arrested. Peter's fellow disciple John stood at the foot of the cross and saw Jesus breathe his last. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Peter saw the same from a safe distance. After Jesus' death and burial in a tomb owned by a man named Joseph from a town called Arimathea, when Jesus' body came up missing, Peter, along with John, went running to the tomb, the empty tomb, went in and saw the grave clothes neatly folded there. That very Sunday evening, Peter and John, along with most of the other disciples, came face to face with the risen Christ. And four gospel writers, Mark first, then Matthew, Luke, and later John, who either walked and talked with Jesus after he was raised from the dead or talked to those who did, have accounts of what happened and the life and ministry of Jesus. We still have those today. The scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are filled with historical accounts of the word and work of God on the plane of human history written down by men at various times and in various places. There are some things there that are tough to read. There are some things there that are tough to understand. But I've been a student of this Word for all my life, and it reads true. It doesn't read like some fairy tale. It reads true, real places, real times, real people, real ways in which God worked and spoke. Those same scriptures tell us that all creation reveals the Creator. Jerry knew that. Snapped a picture of half of it. Reveal the eternal qualities of God from centipedes to sunsets to seeds. How is it that you can put a little dried up piece of nothing in the dirt and a little sunshine and rain and you've got an oak or a flower or a tomato plant? Crazy. We see the creativity and beauty and majesty of God as we look up at the stars or stand at the rim of the Grand Canyon or pick that flower. It's, he's everywhere. The Scriptures tell us that God made us with this inner sense of right and wrong and the ability to believe and the knowledge of God. I have some atheist friends. They believed at some point in their life every day Everyone does. Maybe that's some evidence that there's this universal belief in God in every one of us. These scriptures inspired and preserved all these thousands of years, despite the best efforts of men to discredit and destroy them, tell us how it all began and how it will all end and how to live in between. And I've never read anything in all my life that makes more sense than these scriptures. They nail who we are and what's wrong with the world and how we can make it better and why we're here and how we're here. I'm thinking about a conversation I had with one of my friends that doesn't believe there's a God the other day at lunch. It was actually our second lunch. Our first one was before the holidays. 
and we got right into that uh, evidence for the existence of God or why he didn't believe in God. And, and I asked my friend, I said, well, how do you explain all of this? Quick answer, quantum physics. Quantum physics. I walked away from that lunch determined to bone up on quantum physics. Well, we had lunch again the other day, and he said, I've got something interesting to tell you. He said, my latest reading on quantum physics, and I'm going to have to really oversimplify this, but tells me that all the basic building blocks of stuff have this consciousness. And I'm sitting there thinking the whole time he's talking to me, that sounds like God. But before I could get that out of my mouth, he said, you know, that sounds a lot like God. I thought of that scripture from the Apostle Paul to the letter of the Colossians, in him all things are held together. Oh, my goodness. And above and beyond all of that, my friends, billions of people alive today and that have lived down through the ages, their lives have been changed because they came to believe in that God who in the fullness of time made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't want a hope-so hope. I don't want a little bit of inspiration to make me feel better for the moment. I need a hope that's real. I need a hope that's certain. I need a hope that's living, that's grounded in something I can sink my teeth in. I want a hope that's true. This is personal testimony at this point, not sermon. And I believe with all my heart, after years of wrestling with all the the big questions of life and studying these scriptures and doing my best to understand them and doing my best to live those out and do what God has told me to do, I realize that I've got that kind of hope in the Lord Jesus and in the God who sent him because he so loved the world. So why am I telling you all this? I want you to know that you have that hope too. Or can. The Apostle Peter reminds us that we have a certain hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection happened. We can date it. He died on a Friday in April in the Roman Empire about 2,000 years ago. He was witnessed before, during, and after that event. It's recorded. And the effects of that death and resurrection, and that one solitary life have been playing out in changed lives and in movements and ministries and missions and art and architecture ever since. And one of those changed lives was Jerry Ellsworth Loring's, saved years ago and faithful to Christ to the end. Praise be to his name. I'm telling you all this, as you've heard already, because Jerry wants nothing more than his kids, his grandkids, his family, his friends, everyone in the whole world, to be saved by faith through grace and to live forever like he's begun living forever today. And God has made it easy for us. Just believe. Joshua, great presentation of the gospel today. You laid it right out for us. Jesus paid it all. I also want you to know that our certain hope is not just for the, when the end comes. Salvation is not just a ticket you, you stick in your hip pocket and, and pull out when you, when you come to that uh, moment of passing. God saves us now. He's redeeming this life and this world now. 
He's setting it right again. One redeemed life at a time. Hope is for now. Maybe you've heard the story of the man who wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace. John Newton describes himself in that hymn, a wretch. And he was. He was a slave trader, working on and eventually serving as a captain of a ship that transported human cargo in horrendous conditions from West Africa to these United States until God saved him by his grace. At the age of 39, and in answer to his mother's prayers from years ago, he began a 43 years long ministry of the gospel. I want you to know today that faith is for living. And I've seen that in Julie and Jerry and Joshua and his family. Thanks be to God. Truth is that in Christ we discover what this life is all about. What this life was intended to be. Who we were meant to be. Christ reveals who God is. He also reveals who we were created to be. And what we were created to do. So hope means that change is possible. The world can be better. I can be better. And that's where Keller always says, Amen. Preach it, brother. For those of us who are following Jesus, we're about the things that make the world a better place each and every day. But today we're grateful that in the end, when the end comes, as it did for Jared in the early morning hours of January 25th of this year, ours is a living hope. The end isn't the end at all. Amen? That song ain't no grave. Wow, now that's a good song. We could almost just sing that again. It was written by a guy named Claude Eli, Virginia, in 1934, at the age of 12, as he lay on what may have looked like his deathbed, sick with tuberculosis. As his family prayed for him, Claude spontaneously wrote that song, just came out, no doubt testifying to his faith that death has been defeated and that life doesn't end in no grave. Turns out his wasn't the deathbed that he thought it was at 12, but he lived until 1978 and became an evangelist and songwriter. And artists from Johnny Cash to Bethel Church have been celebrating the hope he captured in his song ever since he wrote it. I thought of that uh, ICU scene, uh, Julie. Um, mm, who would have ever guessed? And it makes me sad just thinking about it. Jerry there, sedated, not able to talk to you. You there so faithfully day in and day out. But I tell you what, I hope we can look back on even that scene, those low moments, those weeks. And I believe with all my heart that God's spirit was speaking to Jerry's spirit. And that when that end came, it was a, a gentle passing. I'm always thrilled to run into people out here in Colorado that have lived back east. And uh, that was Jerry and Julie, a couple years in Maryland and then in Delaware. and They would have lived a lot closer to the ocean back there than you all live here. And it made me think of one of my favorite readings, an uh, American poet by the name of Henry Van Dyke. He wrote a beautiful piece titled, Gone from My Sight. You Coloradans try to imagine you're on a beach right now. I am standing on the seashore. A ship at my side spreads her white sails to the morning breeze and starts for the blue ocean. 
She is an object of beauty and strength. I stand and watch her until at length she hangs like a speck of white cloud just where the sea and sky come together. Then someone at my side says, there, she's gone. Gone where, I ask. Gone from my sight, that's all. She is just as large in mast and hull and spar as she was when she left my side. And she is just as able to bear her load of living freight to her destined port. Her diminished size is in me, not in her. And just at that moment when someone at my side says, there she is gone. There are other eyes watching, watching her coming, and other voices ready to take up the glad shout. Here she comes, and that is dying. I love C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, seven books set for kids, but us adults love them too. In the last battle, some of the last words, C.S. Lewis writes in those uh, books that capture the adventures of the kids from this earth that find their way to Narnia and Aslan is the Christ figure. And here's how the last book in that series ends. And as he, Aslan, spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And as for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And that's what's ahead for all of us who believe. It will include happy reunions. And my friends, that's not just a little bit of something that I've made up to make you and me feel better today. I believe that with all my heart. I've devoted my life to it. In fact, I've staked my life on it. Here's a little closing challenge. Would you stake your life on what you believe today? You've heard the good news. God has made it easy. Just believe and begin from this day forward to live your life with and for the God that loves you so much that he sent his own son. Praise be to his name. Father, I pray that you take all the beautiful truth that we've been reminded of today and God continue to speak to us and lead and guide us and and help us in the days ahead. And I pray that if there's anyone here who hasn't made that decision to follow Jesus like Jerry did so many years ago, like so many of us have, I pray that you draw them uh, to yourself, that your love and truth would be so overwhelming in their hearts and lives today that they take that step of faith and begin to walk with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a beautiful...
tribute and pictures of Jerry as we begin to uh, end this service. Thanks to Joshua for putting these uh, pictures together. And our own Joe Rodriguez may be watching the service today who uh, polished it all off. Let's, uh, let's watch. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, when that day comes, and I find myself Standing in the sun, I can only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, yeah, I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel, will I dance for you, Jesus? To my knees will I fall, will I sing, and hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all, I can only imagine, 
only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. I'm glad we have uh, lots of good memories, amen? But I'm even happier that we've got more than memories, more than uh, good times to look back on. We've got something to look forward to, amen? Before our good friends at uh, the funeral home come forward, uh, just take note of those details about the burial and meal to come, uh, a gift you can make in memory of Jerry to Samaritan's Purse, all there printed in your order of service. And I'd like to end this service with the same benediction that we ended Sunday service, the little letter of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord. Before all ages, now, and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Stay steady. Brother Steve, are you going to come uh, up? Thank you. Sure appreciate your all's uh, work with us, and thank you for all you're doing. Come on. Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am worn, through the storm.